0: Not only that, but the original email Mm -hmm. has disappeared from my files.
1: How does that happen?
0: Well, you tell me.
1: That is insane. From your inbox, it's gone. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Happy Freya. Welcome to episode 14 of season two with special guest Paul Hellyer. Paul, welcome to the show.
0: My pleasure to be on it.
1: Thank you. And um, so just an introduction, the uh, Honorable Honorable Paul Hellyer is, uh, I consider, a Canadian icon and a true visionary. He was a pioneer of his times and still today. He served on the Royal Canadian Air Force during World War II. He's an aeronautical engineer. He started his career in politics early on, um, and he became one of the youngest elected uh, cabinet ministers for his region at that time. He served as National Defense Minister of Canada, and in in September 2005, he became the first person of cabinet to uh, unequivocally state in the G8 group of countries. UFOs are real as the airplanes flying overhead. So as you can see, Paul has a very diverse multifaceted uh, career and background. And I assume that's related to his vast interest and knowledge and curiosity of, of what's here on this planet. I thought what a what a better way to start than to go back to where it all started which was your father's ginseng farm. And if you could share that with us first and how that set the foundation for your political career.
0: Well, um, my father was the pioneer of the ginseng business in Canada, Mm -hmm. uh, which incidentally was either the first or second uh, export from Canada to the Far East in the, uh, I think, the uh, 18th century. And um, so I had a wonderful upbringing and working on the farm is a great experience. You learn all sorts of things that have a big advantage over uh, people who were raised in the city but actually I don't think uh, that uh, it it was very useful when I got mm-hmm. into politics but it, okay. I don't think it had anything to do with my getting into <laughs> politics. It okay. may have been sparked by one of my uh, teachers I can't remember whether it was in grade school or high school so who said he thought I would be uh, a politician and go uh, up the ladder a long way and that may have sparked it but then uh, the real test came many years later when I was uh, at the university and uh, was concerned about uh, recessions and depressions, which um, I thought were unnecessary. Even though my uh, professors said they were part of the system and made it sound as if there were common sense, when in effect they're not common sense, in my opinion. <laughs> There's never been either a recession or a depression that was necessary. They're all monetary. Uh, phenomena.
2: Okay. Uh,
0: and so uh, that was the uh, the driving force that got me in uh, to the business so soon. Uh, I graduated from the University in May and was elected to the House of Commons in June. Wow. And uh, only started halfway through the campaign because then they were 13 weeks long uh, because they t- took a new uh, census or, or whatever they call it. Uh, every um, election and went around and uh, knocked on doors to pick up the names and put them on the list and so with that handicap um, and many other handicaps I did the impossible not knowing what I was doing (laughs) but doing it well (laughs) and, uh, and got elected in 1949 in June
1: Oh, wow. I mean, and that that's a very long spanning um, political career as well. Um, how did you
0: years. How many years? Well, it was 70 years so in psych.
1: Okay. I had to ask because uh, in your autobiography, you mentioned that you, you were kind of interested in politics. Was that something you were drawn into? Because it sounds like from being on the farm, that's that's so calm and peaceful to wanting to change. I guess you saw that change came from politics or a or
0: form of it? I don't think there was any connection. Okay. I went from the farm to uh, California to school and then uh, into the armed forces. Right. And then to university at the public expense. And it was only there, really. Okay, but
1: that you felt drawn it. to it.
0: No. Yeah. Well, it was driven, really, because the my instructors, my professors said there was going to be another depression, underlying de- depression. Okay. 1950. And I had, I'm a child of the Depression. I'd seen poverty at its worst level. I said, that should never happen again. I've got to try and do something about it. Okay. Spent about a year trying to get a liberal nomination in a writing that was hopeless, which was the only reason that anybody would let me have it. And that's, uh, was the beginning of my political career.
1: Can we, I want to ask about this um, depression as well. You said it didn't have to happen. How can you speak a little bit to that?
0: Well, if you're coming back to the monetary thing later, why let's. Okay. Then
1: we'll touch it then. Okay. Um, Well, because you've had such a vast career and uh, I wanted to touch on this because it's, I found it important. You talk about the still small voice in your head. Can you talk about how that helps you navigate your decisions? Um, you know, that you make in life and, and uh, also one of the funny stories that went along with that.
0: <laughs> well, I've as I just said, I was elected in 49, mm-hmm. reelected in 57, in 57, yes. And um, in 56, I was named parliamentary secretary to the Minister of National Defense, okay. <clears throat> which was sort of the tip off that I was going to be chosen as the minister from Toronto. And um, then just before the uh, election in 57, uh, when the government wasn't doing too well, and they wanted to reduce the average age of the the ministry, (laughs) they they appointed me. I was 33 years old, and uh, so I became the first uh, cabinet minister, associate minister of national defense, and it was equal and equivalent to the minister, as long as you knew that it wasn't okay so uh, with that understanding um, I was uh, I was a big shot for eight weeks and we lost and then uh, uh, fortunately I had been in the building business not voluntarily but but uh, was in the building business and had not to resign my position as president and had a job to go to mm-hmm. so, Incident you're talking about is in my second last book, which was called um, Hope Restored, Restored, not a biography. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think for most people it's more interesting than my latest book. But um, I, uh, I was raised uh, in the church. I was um, I was a a believer. I I uh, was very spiritual, or reasonably so, for a young man. And uh, I did well in politics, and I thought this is my game. And uh, so, um, but every once in a while, I had this uh, little voice saying, "Well, why don't you go into the into the ministry of the cloth instead of the ministry of uh, of uh, the department of the government."
2: Department of yeah,
0: (laughs) and uh, (laughs) my. And, of course, immediate reaction was, basically, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in politics. Yeah. So that that, um, that summer, our church uh, joined with another one just a few streets away for, because uh, with many people away on vacation, uh, there wasn't enough uh, congregation on either one to support uh, having a service. And... Uh, I knew the minister who was really more interested in music than he was in uh, in preaching. I always thought, <clears throat> but I I went there um, on a Sunday and and uh, something he said I don't know what it was. Yeah. But I know that it it finally said to me, uh, "You have to go into the ministry." And and so I said,
1: "Your calling."
0: Yes, and I said. Well, Lord, um, on the un- on the understanding that you will help me with my languages, because you know I flugged out of both <laughs> Latin and yeah. Latin. Yeah, I've got to learn Greek and, uh, and Hebrew, and so it's going to be a real toughie, and I'm going to need an awful lot of help. <laughs> um, but what what happened, and I, I think you have to go through something like this to understand it. As soon as I went home, got on my knees, and, and said, "That's what I'm going to do," mm-hmm. I had what I call the the peace, the passive understanding. Just the whole world is right. It was perfect, and I felt so much at ease. Mm-hmm. I said, "Obviously, you know this is this is good," and uh, so I finally jumped into the pond, and uh, and we'll see what. Uh, what happened? So I spent two or three days actually looking at universities and possibilities. and then it was I think it was two weeks later I went back for, to the same church, the same minister, mm-hmm. and he said something, and halfway through the, the service, the voice was very clear. It said, "Paul, no politics is your calling.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: but first you had to surrender. That's it. You had to accept my will. Not yours. Interesting. Yeah. So that was the beginning of a long standing relationship with the Creator God.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's been deepening ever since. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, it's been a long road, but it's been a wonderful road. And uh, it all began by saying, Your will, not mine. Um, That's
1: powerful. Uh, That's a really powerful story. And I, I, Thank you for sharing that because I wanted to share that with our audience as well, the moment to surrender and and your personal story with that. So thank you for that.
2: You're welcome.
1: So when you decided to get back into politics, when did you discover um, what you call the money mafia? Uh, like, like who are they? And also, how is this affecting Canada and the, the
0: globe? First of all, let me tell you about getting back. Yeah. Um, just a few days after the surrender, Yes. The newly elected member of parliament in the adjoining riding was watching a major uh, league, um, the the finals of the major league of baseball uh, playoffs for the world. Okay. And he had a heart attack and died. Right. And um, so indecently soon after that, one of my best supporters phoned and said, have you heard the news? That's it, yeah. And uh, I said, what news? He said, no, he, well, the, the MP and the adjoining writing uh, has died and that's a chance for you to move over there and get back into politics. Mm-hmm. And so in effect, that's what happened. It was a long, interesting story, but uh, so unexpectedly, I got back in the house uh, very soon and was given credit for helping to uh, lead the, the way back because at that time, the little party thought it would be 10 years before they could uh, hope to get back in power.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, my victory gave them the uh, assurance to think that maybe we could do better than that, which we did in fact. And uh, so it was sort of leading on the road back, and uh, I had a I played a very significant part in the prime minister's victory,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, and the
1: prime minister it, at that time was
0: well that, that was Lester Pearson. Okay, and and so much to the amazement of a lot of people, I got the job of minister of national defense, and um, it, it it again it was. In a sense, not when I say not rational, there there are people who you would say were better qualified. Okay. It was and especially um, his brother-in-law, Brigadier General, who had been in the war. Yeah. Uh, everybody thought, well, he would he would be uh, get the nod because <clears throat> it was the it was uh, Pearson's best friend and supporter. Right. But. Um, he, um, I had done these things for him, and so he phoned somebody in Toronto and said, "What would you think if I appointed Paul a Minister of National Defense?" And they said, "That's what we expect you to do." Oh that's, wow! That's what happened. Yeah. Okay. It's a, so it's one of the top of jobs, one of the top four top jobs. So you're sort of in the inner circle. Okay. From the beginning, and. Um, so it gave me uh, it gave me a tremendous job to do. It wasn't the one that I really wanted to do, which was the money job. Okay. To fix the money system.
1: What position is that in Canada? Minister Finance. Fun- okay, thank you.
0: That would have been my first choice, but but there was no way. by Walter Gordon, his his uh, right hand man and friend, and the one who had financed his campaigns okay got uh, that job okay and I was lucky to be that close right so um I took on this job and uh, I think uh, from most uh, points of view uh did an extraordinary job of uh, of combining the forces um, it's what every minister of defense wanted to do but it's uh as uh, Robert McNamara, the defense secretary in the United States said, wanted it to do, but wouldn't have the guts to try.
1: For the US?
0: For anywhere.
1: Oh, for anywhere, okay. No. Okay.
0: at uh, Least of all the US, because they have the most retired generals and uh, admirals and the nearest, and, and he I, he was right in saying it that way. But uh, that, was, I think, a foundation for my present role, which is speaking truth to power um, in a very real way in the United States and Canada and elsewhere. And for some reason, the defense portfolio gives me more credibility Mm -hmm. than I would have had if I'd been Minister of Labor or Minister of- uh, Finance. So yeah, well yeah, obviously. Well, mm-hmm. so it was all part of the plan, I think, and uh, and that's the way it worked out. Okay. So as far as the as the money thing is concerned, the, our money system is so incredibly stupid. It's indescribable. There's no word in the English language. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh,
1: Paul, tell me how you really feel, Paul. <laughs> that's perfect. I appreciate that because more and more people are like, we need this kind of language and we need this kind of honesty and boldness in our communication when talking about politi- politics and finances. And
0: oh, sure, and yeah. and money, money is nothing but a, a computer entry. Okay, that's all it is.
1: Which is where Bitcoin and other. Uh, I won't get into that too much, but we, we're seeing that now because people are looking yeah. for solutions.
0: You can get into that, but and I, I will deal with it uh, abruptly and shortly. Yes. All methods to, to uh, cheat the people. Okay. Which is the same system we've had before, but a different variation on it. Okay. It's a new twist. Yeah. A few very uh, bright uh, uh, people with good financial backing said, well, we've got to get a new way of of uh, cheating them and that's going to be our new approach and it's uh, taking it's taking on a lot of
1: it's taking it's taking off by storm actually yeah yeah yeah. yeah.
0: and it's got to be stopped in its tracks if possible because for hundreds of years um banks private banks have been lending money that they don't have okay and uh People just can't understand this. It's
1: yeah, it's a big, it's a big concept to kind of break down. I mean, for the viewers who are kind of new to this, we can kind of, you know, <laughs> read read Paul's books because it goes into details about this.
0: Right. But just let me give you one thing. Okay. Um most people think that when they go into the bank to borrow money, yes. They're borrowing the money that somebody else deposited the day before. Okay. And that the bank had actually had the money they're lending, right? But they don't, right? They create, money. they create it out of thin air. And the way it works is that they ask you, say you want thirty-five thousand dollars to buy a new car. Okay. Do you have any collateral, stocks or bonds? And you say no. And how about a mortgage on your house? How about a second mortgage on your house? Okay. No, fine. If not, uh, do you have a rich relative? that uh, could co-sign for you. Well, right. As soon as you get something that they say yes to, they say, um, here's a, a note, a demand note for $35,000.
2: Okay.
0: And you sign here, and you do, and they then they go over to the computer, and presto, there's $35,000 in your account. Okay. <laughs> Seconds earlier, it did not exist. Exactly. So it, now you have to repay both the principal and interest. Exactly, yeah. that's okay for us borrowing for cars. But when governments who own the patent to create money, mm-hmm. their sovereign rights, the people own the patent to create money but somehow they've been bribed or otherwise cajoled to give that right away. And the worst example is the United States. Okay. Some of the richest bankers in the world got together in Jekyll Island.
1: (laughs) I heard, yes, okay.
0: And came up with this idea of the Federal Reserve System, which is neither federal nor reserve. It's private banks creating the people's money. Okay and then lending it to them at interest.
1: Okay, I got that, yeah.
0: Yeah, so instead of of the people creating the money, uh, private individuals do, and some people have made um, as much as many, many trillions of dollars, trillions, a whole raft of them Mm
2: -hmm.
0: that way over the period of time since the the Fed was established. Okay. And so that was the reason for my final, final, final book this last year. Is yes. to say, if we're ever going to fix the system, now is the time to fix it because there's going to be another meltdown. I've heard,
1: I've heard that too. I mean, everybody's kind of wondering what's what's going on, and you know that's why we touched upon re- recession because the jobs are like because of you know the COVID and the virus and all that. So. It's, it doesn't seem to be looking too well right now, Paul.
0: Well, that's that's right. And, and uh, I only gave you half the, the story of when money is created by the banks. Yes. During a, a bad time, if they call your loan and you have to pay it off, that destroys money. It's just like taking it and putting it in a wheelbarrow and throwing it into a furnace.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: And, and then there's not enough money to go wrong. To start doing the things necessary to provide employment for the people, so we've—I've spent uh, my whole life trying to do something about this, so far not successfully. But I have, uh, with others, come up with a plan, okay, which, in my opinion, is the best one that, uh, on the on the board, okay. To, and it, it, you have to own your your uh, central bank, which Canadians do one of the rare ones that own their bank 100%. Can
1: In Canada do, or Canadians do, or some, like,
0: how how does that work? Because this is... We we Canadians own the central bank. Okay. All of the shares, and they're held by the Minister of Finance on behalf of us.
1: Okay. Thank you for clarifying that. Okay, good.
0: So it's our bank. Okay. And... The the first governor, who was the brightest of all the people we've had around since I can remember, said Parliament can do whatever it likes. It can give banks rights to create money. Okay. If it wants to create some itself for the people, so that they don't have uh, austerity uh, economics all the time, they can do that. Okay, Parliament is supreme. And all you have to do is have Parliament that is willing to listen for a couple of hours as to how the system works. And then to say, we're going to change the system a little bit, Mm -hmm. instead of giving our bank bonds when we want to get money, we'll just give them shares in our country. Non-redeemable, non-transferable, non-refundable. Okay. And that's the collateral because they've just, they just the money masters have built up this system of, of uh, central banks where you have to balance their books. So this is how you balance the books. You need a billion dollars. And uh, you give them 10, uh, you know uh, whatever, just divide, divide it up and give them 10 uh, uh, shares that add up to a billion. And uh, then they, they give you a billion dollars to put in your bank account. Okay. The balances. And so what uh, I have uh, been promoting and I won't go into great detail is that whereas our banks in Canada now Right. Can lend, make loans equal to 20 times their capital. Okay. Can you imagine that? Can you that's, imagine? I know, that?
1: just like that's
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, you've got a thousand dollars, and you can lend it to twenty people and get interest from each one, which means you get a thousand dollars interest back every year. Right. It is robbery. Mm-hmm. There's no other way for it. Grand larceny. Mm-hmm. And so, what we have suggested, and it's uh, you know, this was not one man show, but is that we do this reduce their ability from 20 times to two times. Okay. So they would still have enough ability to to fund small business. If you went in and say, I'd like to just open a little shop or something or other, and I've got this much money, but I need a little more, I need a little credit, uh, mm-hmm. line of credit, mm-hmm. uh, the bank can do it. Because that's what they're there for, and they're, they're, it's a big institution, and most of the people that work in banks are wonderful people, and so, you don't want to destroy the institution, but you want to reduce its leverage Okay. from 20, which is larceny,
2: mm-hmm.
0: to which is fair. And so they still get 34%. The government gets 34% of the new money created every year, and the bank 66%, and it works out so that everybody would be happy. You would have full employment you would have enough money to fix up the uh, the hospitals and the old folks homes and so on and we wouldn't have any of this mess that we had <laughs> yeah by borrowing the money uh, for so, for so long because after all well, it's a, it's, a, it's a long story we want to talk about other things <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, but this is, I mean, this is important, right? Because even, even with my audience, which is, you know, just general and it has a, a mixture, like it's, it's important to educate, right, that that you're doing right now. And you've been so diligent uh, for so many years to, to at least provide some sort of solution. Like, we need to know where our money comes from, who prints it. Um, and And it sounds like from what you just discussed there, like the ratios, you're trying to even out the ratios so that it's like a win-win, but not grand lar- larceny or whatever.
0: <laughs> no, no, exactly. You've, you've got it. Graham Towers, who was the first man, was the, the man who, who should be read by everyone. Okay. And he said that um, money is a book entry. That's all it is. Yes. Well, if he was alive today, he wouldn't say a book entry because that's, you know, gone. He'd say it's a computer entry. It's Um, going
1: electronic, and so it's not backed by any hard asset.
0: No, no. There's no backing. Okay. Except credit, and in that case, the government is saying it's the it's the credit of the people, which it is with a bond, or it is with with shares. Okay. And and with the shares, and they you never have to pay it back. You can save a lot of bookkeeping. And so um, there's there's a solution. It's a good one. People should study it. Mm-hmm. They should insist that the government do it. Um, the idea has been presented to the prime minister the day he was elected.
1: A recent one?
0: Trudeau? Uh, yes. Just
1: Yeah.
0: What have we done about it? Nothing. <laughs> but
1: that's, that's why people are frustrated, Paul, sometimes, yeah. is, is because it feels like it's falling on, you know, like no one's if listening
0: you- yeah. Deaf ears, whether it's it's uh, climate change or changing the monetary system, anything important mm-hmm. falls on deaf ears, mm-hmm. has got to end, as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yes, and I think many um, Canadians and people across the globe share the same sentiment. Um, and if those changes do seem to occur, it seems to occur through a few people deciding for all, which uh, doesn't really involve the participating citizens and people. To be a part of the solution, right. as you proposed earlier. So okay, <laughs> so so that's that's a touch upon. That's oh. like an, a a drop on, on on the money system because it's it's extensive, and the, I appreciate how you explained it so that you know just the average person that, and anybody picking up on this. Oh,
0: the prime minister people. by turning down the ideas mm-hmm. six years ago has robbed the Canadian people of more than a trillion dollars.
1: Wow. Which we are over a trillion in debt anyway.
0: Oh, yeah. 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 Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> okay. These are some bold <laughs> statements that I'm glad it's out there because this needs to be discussed. We need to air it out. Um, okay. So let's talk about globalization then because um, can we just talk about what it is and what your viewpoint on that is, I mean, because this is affecting the farming industry as well. I mean, you talked about um, where they're trying to patent seeds now, right? And they're starting to do that. And, and uh, I know Doctor Shiva kind of, you know, extends more onto what the politics of farming has now gotten into. But can you can you comment on globalization, what it is, and how it impacts?
0: Well, globalization is really another one of the efforts that the people running the world have made to mm-hmm. transfer power from the people to transnational corporations. Right. And uh, it has worked very successfully. It's part of a grander problem, perhaps, that they are have plans for taking over the world.
1: I've, I've right, heard that as well, yes. And many and have.
0: From Rather than doing what Hitler did and taking off one country at another after another and getting people all worked up. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he said, well, let's be smart and just entice them into this idea of one world, one economy, wide open, everybody wins.
1: Uh, that's how it's being presented as, yeah. The Great Reset yeah. and whatnot, yes.
0: It's, it's, it is one of the most stupid ideas when you carry it to an extent. Excuse me. My wife is listening. I love it. It was awesome. I mean, if if we if we have boxing, for example, would you send a lightweight in against a heavyweight? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's what we're doing. Okay. We're saying uh, that we can compete with the United States. No. Okay. We're saying we can compete with the EU. No. The government's been trying to get a deal with China. Can we compete with China and the stuff they produce? No. Okay. So we had a system before this of the, uh, where we each put in something into the pot and got something in return, worked very well, but then they weren't satisfied. And they are going through this thing of cartelization of all of the major industries. Okay. And this has a negative impact on prices and control. Are
1: you talking about inflation?
0: Inflation, food prices allegedly went up one hundred percent. I after, yeah. After the the U.S. got through their cartelization of the food industry. Okay. And and who is in trouble? The poor countries, the poor people. Okay. People that can't afford food. And uh, is. Is still going up and uh you know
1: now i want to understand this how did can you okay how does food price go up i know we're competing with a larger can you can you can you just explain that one more time like how does how is food prices affected by what's going on here
0: because if one company controls or send no say five companies control all of the beef production okay the major in the world okay then they do what John uh, um, Mills used to say: they don't write up an agreement to put prices up; they just do it over tea. <laughs> you have, yeah, maybe maybe a cocktail. I don't know, but it doesn't really matter. Um, okay. The boys get together. Okay. And say, and our banks do this. Right. And uh, they say, uh, you know, I think mortgage, uh, mortgages should go up or down, depending on the circumstances. I think uh, the the cost of of cashing a check should go up and everybody... uh, (sighs) Okay. So then one of them will be the lead and uh, then the others will follow a few days later and the prices are up and that's inflationary. Okay. And a good example, probably the best example is oil. And the Rockefeller fellers did this for generations yeah and uh they, they would they still put the price of oil up uh, of gasoline up on uh, thursdays and bring it down on mondays
1: everybody note that because it's gone like gone up anyway which i think canada is like the, the third largest uh producer of oil and gas anyway in the world though i've, I've
0: heard but but we're not controlling the price i know so we don't own the biggest companies.
1: I, Paul, we
0: can't afford to because their banks are bigger than our banks, and they they have more power than we have. So okay. we, we get squeezed out, and guess it, the the ordinary people are the ones who get it in the neck every time, and so they've done this with with uh, big pharma. Yep, we've really been being ripped off with big pharma. Right. And, Agriculture and uh, yeah, you know, all of these things,
1: it's all being affected.
0: Yeah, massively pushing up, now, pushing up the price for ordinary people
1: and even with, housing as well.
0: Housing, as a, a... I was in the housing business, as I exactly, it,
2: yeah,
0: and houses that I sold for fourteen thousand seven hundred and fifty dollars. Oh my gosh, are today selling for uh. About eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs>
1: oh my gosh! In then, in in Vancouver here, I'm in I'm in and in, in Richmond, but in Vancouver, like when I was in high school, houses were um, around two, two, 250 or three hundred or something like that. Now it's like over a million, close close to one point five.
0: Yeah. Well, the average house in Toronto now is, is a, a million dollars, and there was a picture in the paper this week of a, somebody buying a garage for a million dollars. <laughs> Just a garage. Because... So
1: somebody... <laughs> I have to laugh at that. I mean, it's just insane—a <laughs> garage. <laughs> like oh. somebody posted. Uh, it was. It was. It was a satirical, but somebody posted like something they made on a beach, made out of wood in Vancouver, on, and they said beach house property, a million dollars, right? Like it's.
0: <laughs> oh, so so the, 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 it's a crazy system, and I could explain more one of the reasons is again the monetary system okay they had they had to bring interest rates down to zero or almost Mm -hmm. in order to find people who would borrow money
1: okay this is what happened in the states prior to the crash though correct
0: oh yeah okay and uh and so uh it's it's sort of a sucker bait you get them to buy houses when interest rates are uh, low low
1: yeah and
0: then they start to go up and people start to get in trouble. But don't people lock them? Well, there was a, there's an article in the paper today about the advisability of locking or not locking. Right. When I was uh, in the housing business, nearly all of our houses were locked in for 20 to 35 years.
1: Okay, okay.
0: So that you knew that you were gonna have a how much you had to earn exactly pay your mortgage but uh today of course uh things are not as simple as they were then
1: so is is this primary solution would you say to i mean we're talking about housing and farming and all of this and who's controlling that over tea How, what what is a what is the solution to that to
0: break, up, to break them up okay so you know if a, a certain size break them in two or five or something like that because they keep they keep talking about this market economy.
2: Mhm.
0: There's no market economy. Okay. I mean there is isn't in, in uh, vegetables at the market. Right. Um and the, and some fish or, or lobsters, but there's no market economy and just about anything the major things and it's it's all fixed. So um, it's uh it's it's a no win game for the people whose wages are more or less locked who <clears throat> that don't come up as fast as the cost of living does exactly. together and it's a, the, the people can buy my book and find out all about it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Paul, this is interesting though. it's it's really interesting to get into like the economics behind all of this and how it's affecting everybody. Um, who the key players are involved. Obviously, there's an educational component to this to kind of, you know, get the word out as you have with your books. Um, uh, and, and many are starting to speak publicly, obviously, about this. They're being censored, but <laughs> they're starting to talk about it, to to educate and say, no, we need to be aware of what's going on and to hopefully give power back to the people in in driving their own economy and having a say in that.
0: And they're moving in the other direction, unfortunately, and we're going to have to stop it.
1: Yeah, I, and that's what people are are def, definitely looking towards is is towards a solution, and we want to see actions being taken. What can we do? I mean, are we continue to write letters that that may be ignored or maybe not, or you know, protest? And yeah, there's there's a lot of things going on right now. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's for sure.
1: All right, so <laughs> we we touched a bit on that. Let's go into um, I, I I this is a let's go into space because this is an interesting area for for me because recently um in the US the pentagon declassified three ufo videos um taken um three of three of three UFOs, sorry were in there by us navy, navy pilots and they said that they were off world vehicles not made on this earth and uh Shortly after that, the timing's interesting, uh, former Israeli uh, space security chief, Haim Esht, also said, ETs exist, humanity's not ready. And that there's some sort of agreement between the US and these aliens, uh, or star beings or people from other planets. So because I've heard you sentiment these, um, you pioneered some of these statements early on in your career. The question is, what are your comments on what's happening here with with the disclosure movement and do you agree that i mean with what's going on with the world today that we're not ready to meet our star neighbors
0: well first of all i've only been really involved in this for 15 years okay but i've i've been researching it for 15 years so that even though i'm not a ufologist i'm a politician with a fair amount of information as to what's going on okay and um People have been coming to this planet from outside for thousands of years.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And one of the examples in a couple of my books uh, I know about <clears throat> in the 1960s, a flotilla of uh, 50 UFOs flew south over Europe, and the um, SACU, the Supreme Allied Commander in Europe, okay, I happened to know personally at the time. Oh, wow. Um, He um, was just ready to hit the panic button. you know, another war. Wow. And fortunately they turned around and went north over the pole. And uh, then he knew that they were not Russian, which is what they were afraid. Okay. But uh, that they were from afar, from elsewhere. Yes. He ordered a, a study to be done, took three years. I think in three or four countries were involved in it,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, the the study. Um, I think the its only name was the document or something like that. Okay. Um, but there was a, a a chap there who had a plum assignment, a former uh, lieutenant who had to take a uh, reduction in rank to uh, regimental sergeant major. Okay. Get the job, but he had a classic um, he had a a very high security rating. Okay. So that uh, according to him one night he was there and looked bored and the colonel said here read this which he did and it changed his life forever. Mm -hmm. And what the, the report said was that at least four species had been visiting the planet earth for thousands of years.
1: Can you identify the four before you carry on?
0: Uh no. It doesn't mention the four. Oh, okay. Uh, but what I can say is that there have been there have been more than that.
1: Yeah, I I thought so as well. Okay.
0: Okay. And now the numbers. There, there's a man in the United States who used to uh, help with retrieving crashed vehicles. Mm-hmm. A lot of them. Wow. Um and he said, and I, I got this from him personally over the phone as well as it's in writing. Okay. I think uh, he had a, a a book that the army gave him when he went out to a crash site with 54 different species in it.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah.
0: You know, so that he would know how to approach them.
1: Wow.
0: And- to be concerned about uh, radiation or this or that or whatever because they're they're all different. They're like Fords and Cadillacs and and. Uh, <laughs> <Ports so. laughs>
1: that was a good analogy,
2: Paul.
0: <laughs> well, that's yeah, but it's, it's it's close to the truth. It's close enough <laughs> to the truth to be uh, understandable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I get you. And uh, so um, there are a lot. Of, there are a lot of them. And after the war, um, they started coming in greater numbers. Okay, after World War II? No. Okay. The, the reason was that uh, um, after the first atomic bomb was uh, was detonated mm-hmm. uh, the, in New Mexico, before they dropped uh, Hiroshima, um, the people, Above were concerned because the cosmos is a one. Yes. Whatever we do here affects people in other parts of the cosmos. And all of a sudden, we said, yeah. here are the children playing with matches.
1: Yeah, that's a good yeah, yeah, that that's an analogy. Yes. Yeah. We have no understanding of how it's all connected at this
0: point. Right. Yeah. So, the, so they started coming in much larger quantities and from different places, and they have mapped out every nuclear device uh, in the world. Okay. Um, Where all of the missiles are in the holes of the Western US and so on, wherever they're stored, Uh, they've got all of this information because they're, very much afraid that we're going to be you know I'm going to think for a nice word here crazy enough <laughs> to blow ourselves up
2: <laughs>
1: i've heard that too from from several ufologists and, and other people yeah, yeah
0: that
1: that we're heading down that road and that scares a lot of
0: people. Well, we should know that the clock now is a minute to uh to 12. okay atomic clock minute 12. And it's very very serious business, and um, I think uh, I end I end my latest book on, on two notes. One is one of real concern because um, I was one of the people who thought that we won World War II, but we didn't. Okay, and um, and the. Uh, not only the Americans recognized in 1940 that uh, Hitler was going to lose, and they started working on a bigger empire. Okay. Still working on it. And uh, the Germans themselves realized it, and they started building a a base in Antarctica.
1: I've heard that as well yet.
0: And uh, in both cases, there's been collaboration with... uh, with people other than humanoids. Okay. And uh, they have developed space capabilities. And so the the situation is one that is, you know, very concerning. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the bright side is that I don't think that the... the... People of light are going to let it happen. Uh, there is a, a uh, galactic federation. Yep. And it comprises the the species that are are um, faithful to the creator. Mm-hmm. They call the one the, the force.
2: The, yeah.
0: They have five, four or five different names. Okay. But that um, they're they're faithful to the Creator, and then uh, the um, son who thought he was better at running the cosmos, or than the father Lucifer, he's got some forces too, and they're they're very uh, they're very far advanced. Okay. And they've been fighting it out for a long, long time.
1: Okay.
0: And uh there are, at the moment, uh, there, are, there are many, many motherships standing off our planet. And I saw a, a picture recently of a whole group of motherships um, between us and the sun. <clears throat> oh, wow. So... um things are happening, and you were talking about the U.S. uh, being more forthright in uh, advising the people. I have to challenge that a little bit. Okay. Because the the pictures of the Navy chasing the... Yes, uh,
1: that's the one, yeah. That's the one? Yeah.
0: Well, those weren't foreign ships. Those were American ships.
1: Okay, now that just twisted the whole... out of
0: a new layer of <laughs> no, and, yeah. and So the the commander of the carrier said, uh, "We'll chase these uh, TikTok or whatever they are. Uh, they're anti-gravity machines. They're highly developed machines." And, okay. And then they peddled it as being uh, a a uh, and the, the what they said was, "We know they're here, but we don't know what they want." And that was a big lie, of course, mm-hmm. because. The Navy, US Navy, rec- uh, retrieved its first ship uh, from the South Pacific in 1945. Wow. And uh, they have built up a, uh, a powerful fleet. OK. Of uh, craft that are, uh, are capable of uh, interplanetary and interstellar flight. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a base on the, on the moon, and they have a base on Mars. And uh, then something happened. Coming back to the uh, the Israeli uh, professor. Yes. I I disagree with the, him saying that the people aren't ready for it. If you if you give them a little bit at a time. Because I I've gone through enough of it myself to see if if somebody confronted me with all of the things I know now. Yes. 15 years ago, 15 years research yeah. I I would probably say, well, you, hmm.
1: Yeah, right? I mean, that would be the initial, for somebody yeah. just starting, they'd be like, they would definitely do the hmm.
0: <laughs> so if we're, we're like people, uh, you start with the pablum and just keep uh, a little bit going until they get the picture, mm-hmm. and then they can take it. And I think uh, I think they should and they should the u s should have started this a long time ago,
1: yeah,
0: and this uh, thing that uh, that uh, President Trump told them to do to get something out by the end of June yes um, there was a word in there that I found uh, uh, well, I didn't find it i just said it's what I would expect. it was all of the unclassified right. Well, that isn't going to tell the American people anything okay it's going to tell them there've been thousands of UFOs they're gonna have and they'll have thousands of pages of UFO sightings but it doesn't tell the American people that they've got a space fleet and that it's uh, yeah make different. those
1: connections
0: yeah it isn't it's not a connection with reality today's reality and so uh it, and there's they're still doing it. Um you think
1: that's why they're hesitant to say to kind of make that leap is um, I'm just trying to trying to get this is it, so that they don't want to share that they have a fleet and that they've kept it from people this whole time,
0: because no. they would be
1: definitely upset and anger that this technology exists. The,
0: the, the, they don't want the people to know what they plan to do with it.
1: Okay, well, that's a different question there, Paul.
0: That's that's what.
1: <laughs> okay. So which begs the question, what do they want to do with the whole fleet of highly advanced starships? Or, have, you know, these
0: have you heard of the New World Order?
1: Yes, I have.
0: <laughs> well, they have plans for a New World Order. Okay. Um, the military. Yeah.
1: But there's different you said, you mentioned there's different layers of the military, because it's kind of like some people are aware of some darker layers and some are not, right? There's like privileges the, or you know.
0: The whole thing was uh, was shielded under the National Security Act okay. on, on a based, basis of a need to know. Okay. And so no two people knew what was going on except what they were doing. Okay. And there are very, very few people that <clears throat> know the, the whole picture. Very few. I don't know how many of them. But very few. Mm-hmm. And um, so... They they have been covering up because they have this plan. In effect, <clears throat> we didn't win the war, <clears throat> World War II. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Germans just went underground.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And you I'm sure you've heard of Operation Paperclip.
1: I've heard of that. Yes, the name, but uh for, for those of you who haven't, can we you
0: No, know, after the war, the United States forces um brought a lot of German scientists
2: mm-hmm.
0: and engineers to the United States and gave them new names and new CVs, Okay. And then appointed them to top jobs, right. <coughs> both civil and military. And the reason they're called Operation Paperclip is because uh, they, um, the old CVs and the new CVs were Held
1: together by a paperclip, yeah.
0: (laughs) And actually, Wikipedia has a pretty good, excuse me, Wikipedia has a pretty good um, description of what happened. Then later, um, Alan Dulles was himself um, friendly to the Nazis, brought in uh, thousands more. And uh, flooded the uh, CIA with them, which is he was the head of the CIA at the time, and his brother was uh, Secretary of State. Okay. So they um, they have uh, tremendous power. And then it was Operation High Jump, where um, they found out about the Nazis having been building a. Uh, a base on uh, Antarctica
2: mm-hmm.
0: and spent, uh, sent a flotilla over there to take it out. And instead of being able to take it out, one of the ships was sunk and some people were killed and they had to come home with the tails between their legs, so to speak. Right. Bird was absolutely furious, wanted to nuke them. <clears throat> but by then, the people from Operation Paperclip had sufficient influence in the forces that it never happened.
2: Okay.
1: Okay. Fast forwarding to today and where we are. How are we going to put all this together? Because it's it's um I mean, the medical system has and some have commented and many Canadian doctors have spoken out about this who have received a lot of backlash about how t- tyrannical it's been getting and and uh, playing, you know, health and politics together and all of that. And uh, and then, you know, people are wanting full disclosure. People are statistically aware that we're not alone in, the, uh, you know, in the cosmos here. So, I mean, we're already understanding that and um we're demanding more and and uh you know some some may after hearing basically the truth kind of come out and uncover which i appreciate appreciate like your your honesty with this is uh how do you not feel disheartened and how do you you know in your recent book here uh light at the end of the tunnel where where is the light paul where what is your message for humanity right now with all of this
0: well, I have to be diplomatic with what I say now. Okay, <laughs> it's my fourth last book. Oh, is it? No, it okay. was more than ten years ago. Okay, and my In it, it, I said we had ten years to do something about uh, global warming. Right. And ten years have gone by, and nothing's been done. So, um, and the, the, I have a line in there though that I, I'm very proud of. Okay. I said, I didn't know how much I didn't know because I didn't know how much there was to know. <laughs> like That's that. That's as true today as when I wrote it. Right. 11 years ago. Okay. So when I wrote that book, <clears throat> I just had, I was probably grade two or three <clears throat> in, the, um, in the scale of understanding the UFO significance and so on. hmm And then a few years later, I wrote the uh, money mafia, excuse me, the uh, world in crisis. Okay. Becoming something of a, of a classic. And if somebody really wants to know what's going on in the world, I say, I would say that that's probably the best.
1: That's the best source to go to. Okay. And I'll I'll add the links in the bio below. So people, people know where to reach you and and your website as well.
0: Thank you. And and, uh, so it's, that's because I'd learned so much in the, in the meantime, right. About the structure, about the underground bases, <clears throat> about the collaboration with the uh, aliens and uh, so on. Well, then um, four years later, I <clears throat> had learned so much <clears throat> on the, on the uh, spiritual side. Yes. Including, uh, the creator's creation of the cosmos, mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that we were all uh, uh, siblings because we're all made out of God particles. And it doesn't matter whether your face is brown or, or white or black or yellow or whatever. Yes. We're all, we're all siblings. Yeah. We have to learn to treat each other as siblings and to treat each other with respect and uh, the kind of... Uh,
1: do you know how siblings treat each other nowadays? <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> siblings can be can be pretty tough on each other nowadays too.
0: Well, yeah, well, yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> I, I had to because it's just yeah, I'm I'm a
0: sibling I, as well. I, so <laughs> I can't reach my age without knowing that there's some problems involved.
1: There's, it's family, there's dynamics involved, but we need to resolve these things, right?
0: That's right. And and so I go into that. I, I, I had enough information for a, a few chapters, but not for a whole book. So I put my autobiography okay. on the front of it. And that's the reason I say that Canadians, I think, would, uh, would probably enjoy it and find it more fulfilling than, uh, than perhaps even the present book. <clears throat> but um, they're all different. They all have um, a different message. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> each one was to be my last book.
1: I know. you you write that into you write that in there too you're like this is going to be my last
0: <laughs> oh, that's what i told my wife so this time it, it is the final book okay because um uh, i don't think she could stand another one <laughs> and um uh, i could spend the rest of my life tr- trying to t- teach people about the stuff that's in the for uh, that i've already done they pr- they pretty well cover the waterfront actually okay and uh, the, if anybody wants a, an autograph copy, they can get it from my uh, website. Good to uh, know. And all of the books are, are on sale there. But you have to read books. When Alan Dulles was asked how he could smuggle so many Nazis into the United States, his answer was because Americans don't read books <laughs> and through Canadians.
1: Okay. What what do you have any events or anything coming up online or, or wherever that people can reach you and be more involved in in like a, a solution oriented approach? I mean, obviously, what's happening is is globally people are looking to decentralize somehow money system currents. We talked about that earlier on, but you know, it doesn't seem to be. They're trying to look for solutions.
0: Um, well, there's uh, I'm going to uh, be talking about. Uh... Solutions for a while. The from the four, five, the five plagues that the cabal is uh, subjecting us to,
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they include, of course, the money and, uh, and the yeah. uh, global warming and so on. And uh, so I'll be spending a lot of time on that. The only event of major proportions that <clears throat> on the uh, thing now is uh, contact in the desert. Okay. At the the end of, uh, June, end of this. I
1: guess. Yeah, so so there's an event that you're joining with them. I saw that, too, so I can I can market that as well. It's, it's an online event that you'll be speaking at. Correct. Okay, uh,
0: okay. Also, apparently, uh, George Nuri wants me on, on his panel. Uh, we'll probably have some interesting things to say. I hope. One final thing that uh, that you. Uh, audience might be interested in. On the February 21st, there was uh, one of the people from the space station was outside doing a spacewalk fixing it. Okay. And there was a um, mothership, uh, I'm told, and I'm not sure whether it was eight or nine miles long, it doesn't really matter. Okay, wow. That saw it and decided to come up and do a circle right around so that it would be photographed. Okay. And um, I, I, got will find,
1: I will find a picture of that and hopefully I can screenshot it in here so we can make a reference to it.
0: Don't, don't get too over enthusiastic. Oh, well, So um, my source sent it to me on Facebook. Okay. And I went to the link as soon as I got it. And I saw the guy working outside and flying around and so on. I looked way down in the corner, and I saw this ship looked about the size of a huge cigar. Right. And all of a sudden, nothing but a blank page. This page removed due copyright. Okay. Not only that, but the original email.
2: hmm
0: has disappeared from my files.
1: How does that happen?
0: Well, you tell me.
1: That is insane. From your inbox, it's gone.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Do you use Gmail? <laughs> Gmail has been having some. <laughs> That's insane. All right. This is tough, huh? When you're when you're going up against such a. Um, I guess educating yourself, as you said, keeping hope, and and um, however you want to see people having their own personal relation and empowering themselves uh, with creator connecting, right. Connecting that we're all that message that we're one, and we're we're uh, it's what keeps me sane.
0: <laughs> and I think it's it's true that we are headed for a, a higher uh, plane.
1: Yes, I've heard that as well.
0: How uh, how soon and how? I don't know the mechanics, but I know that there are a lot of uh, very spiritual people. Mm -hmm. uh, Spiritual, as as opposed to uh, people who belong to somebody that uh, sect that's going to try and kill another one. Um, And they're, I think, moving in the right direction. But um, it's 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 something that's happening that is positive. Mm And uh, I think the most positive thing is that I do not think that the Galactic Federation is going to stand by and uh, and see us uh, wiped out the way that some people would like to see us wiped out.
1: <laughs> Good to know, Paul. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for this very informative, um, eye-opening interview. Honestly, and. Uh, uh, I know I didn't include this question, but I really want to ask it because you, you've had you have such a diverse background in many fields. What do you want to be like known for? That you're like, what are you most proud of as your legacy that that you've done thus far?
0: I I want to be known for telling the truth, okay. regardless of the cost, mm-hmm. and for doing what I. I'm sure the creator God wants me to do at mm-hmm. the time,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or to let people know that what we're fighting is a spiritual battle. Okay. And that you have to decide whether you're going to be on the side of the light or on the side of the dark.
1: It's very Star Wars, right? Totally. stars. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it. Thank you so much, Paul, for your time today with great appreciation and adoration for everything you've done for humanity, for Canada and for speaking your truth that helps others to speak like myself, uh, my truth. And so thank you for that. And uh, uh, stay tuned for more interviews that will be coming up. So uh, I'll have all of Paul's details below in the link and uh, we'll keep in touch, I'm sure. All right. Thank you, Paul.
0: Nice to meet you. (laughs)
2: Pleasure.